Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine, and we hope you'll continue learning and sipping along with us. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Wines We Drink. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Keith Herndon, a certified wine sommelier. Hello, Charlotte, and hello to our audience. Uh, man, uh, wow, this summer is moving along. <laughs> you know, last week we we passed the midpoint in our 12 cases of summer episodes, so we're delighted to have everybody with us today for episode seven. Sadly, on the downhill slope, um, <laughs> but I had a fantastic week celebrating the 4th of July. It was made all the better, I will admit, by the delicious Napa Valley sparkling wine we drank. So if you want to check out last week's wine selection or any of the other episodes from last season or this season, please go to wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as a reminder, we have a complete episode guide at WinesWeDrink.com. So yes, Charlotte, you know, our week of celebrating the 4th of July is behind us, but there's no reason to leave the party mood behind, <laughs> right? Uh, especially with the wine selection we have on tap for today. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, summertime should be for slowing down a bit and finding some time to relax, enjoy our friends and family. And for us, I know that means usually pairing those get-togethers with some delicious wine. So what have you selected for us to drink today? Well, last week we drank a sparkling wine from California's best-known wine country, Napa Valley. But Napa's neighbor to its west is not far behind when it comes to producing some top wines. So today our selection is from Sonoma and specifically the Russian River Valley. Uh, this area is known for growing exceptional Pinot Noir grapes, but there's a lot of other varietals that thrive there as well. So we're going to be drinking an outstanding rosé from the Rayburn Winery that's a blend of mostly Pinot Noir, but there's a good amount of Zinfandel and a splash of Grenache thrown in there. Ooh, I mean, you know I love a good rosé. I'm so excited for this one and to give it a try. You know, we've had some wonderful rosés before on this show, so but this one's new for me. Yeah, you know, that wasn't intentional necessarily, but, you know, we do <laughs> like to surprise you with some of our selections and, you know, get your reactions, you know. So we're going to rectify today that you haven't had this wine, you know. But but honestly, if I'm, if I'm being completely truthful with you and our audience, uh, the Rayburn Winery is a recent discovery for me. Mm. Uh, Derek Benham uh, founded the winery only about 10 years ago coming out first with a Chardonnay and then a Pinot Noir before he, you know, before he added this uh, rosé to their release lineup in around 2018. Oh, wow. Okay, so in terms of California wineries, then Rayburn is essentially a newcomer. Yeah, uh, when many of California wineries trace their roots, they go back, you know, multiple decades in some cases, you know, multiple family uh, generations. So Rayburn is a new kid on the block in that regard. But I discovered them when I was researching wineries that have demonstrated uh, what I'm looking for, this, this commitment to sustainability, mm. right? Rayburn is a California certified sustainable winery, and they claim to operate one of the most eco-friendly, water-efficient facilities in the industry, end quote. Huh. It's, I mean, it's great that not only are we trying to highlight value wines this season, but also producers who take their environmental responsibility really seriously. Yes, you know, I think it's it's absolutely a consideration we need to make when we choose the wines we drink, you know, looking at the big picture, the holistic operation of how wines are made and 
and, and how they affect the environment and how they affect our pocketbook. So it all is part of the decision of which wines we choose to drink. Mm-hmm. Responsible consumerism at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to tasting this wine. Can you pour us a couple of glasses? Sure. Yeah, so this bottle uh, has a screw top, so you'll be able to hear that uh, coming open there. And then I'm going to pour us a couple of glasses of this nice Russian River Valley rosé. You know, it's as you're pouring it, and immediately from the bottle too, it's such a pale pink. When you think of rosé, you're thinking of really a more of a light pink. But this one's super pale and... You know, I would even say more closer to salmon in the color category than, you know, pink or rose colored. Yeah, you know, this color of of wine is very much like the pale rosés that you'll find in southern France. Um, There has just been a little skin contact with the juice, you know, just enough to impart a little color. But it's still a very, you know, faint pink so now it's it's time to, to do our smelling, right? Just get your nose Let's in the it. glass and, 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 and tell me what are some of the aromas that, that you are sensing. Wow, yeah. It's almost the smell reaches your nose before you even raise it, raise the glass. Um, very aromatic. Very aromatic, but in such a beautiful way. I mean, it's, it's to me, is the smell of summer because it's so <laughs> berry-oriented, right? You know, yeah, I'm smelling... Yeah all kinds of berries, but as a true rosé fan, <laughs> um, if I had to specify the berry that I'm smelling, it um, it would probably be a raspberry, actually. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. You know, the, the first scent are those, are those red berries, right. right? You know, again, this wine is from a blend of grapes, as I mentioned earlier, but it's primarily Pinot Noir at about 74%. Uh, Zinfandel makes up 22%, and there's a bit of Grenache, as I mentioned, at around 4%. But I think that majority of Pinot Noir is contributing to those berry aromas, uh, especially what I pick up is a hint of cherry. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I I could definitely pick up on that, too. All good sense of a, of a solid rosé. Um, <laughs> right. So I would say enough with the nose. Right. Uh, I think it's time to taste. Yeah, so go ahead and take that first sip. Yum. Wow. I mean, not only do you smell the berries, but the best part is you get to taste them. I'm going to take another one. Mm. Yeah. The raspberry's still there. Um, it's a super bright wine. Mouth-watering at times. But also, whenever you're tasting it and, and that scent, you know, the... The taste is lingering on the tongue for a little bit longer. There's also some strawberry in there that I'm picking up. Yes, you know, absolutely. And as you keep drinking the wine, there's some other layers that keep unfolding that makes this such an interesting wine. On on third and fourth sips, I begin to taste watermelon, Mm. right? Yeah. And and there's some stone fruits like peach and pear. Uh, To be such a delicate-looking wine, as you mentioned, it's, you know, the pale hue. You know, to be such a delicate wine... There are a lot of things going on here, and they're all good. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> a complex rosé. Who would have thunk? Yeah, right. You know, I, I think, you know, rosés can get a bad rap. You know, they're everywhere now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an immensely popular wine style. But I think the consumer has to do some homework when they're selecting a rosé to make sure they just aren't buying a bottle of pink water with some alcohol, Ugh. right? <laughs> you know, so I encourage our listeners to find those rosés that are made by wineries, that really take the style seriously and, and not just 
a, a wine that, you know, that they make to complete a product lineup. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a terrific way of thinking about it. Fine rosés where the winemakers really care about this style of wine, but also, you know, when you're thinking about rosé, it's it is a beautiful wine. So you're kind of judging books by their cover. And when it comes to this wine, it's a beautiful rose gold color, that bright salmon, and maybe that wouldn't be something that you would choose first. So yeah, do your homework. So, you know, the Redmond winemaker, Joe Tapero, had to know what he was doing uh, with this bottle because the, the 2020 grape harvest was pretty challenging around mm. the Russian River Valley. Uh, there had been some wildfires around Sonoma that year, so he had to make sure to avoid, uh, you know, grapes that, that could have been susceptible to smoke taint. Uh, overall, that year was a dry year, and the summer was hot. Um, but the winery said all of that resulted in some smaller grapes. It was lower yields. It was an early harvest. So Joe had to do a lot of navigating through all that, and I think he did a great job and, and created a rosé for the ages. Yeah, I mean, 2020 was a difficult year for many. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that, that we have this outcome, uh, I understand here we have a really good rosé. So, But how good are we actually talking about well, you know, when you uh, look at these type of rosés, uh, and, and that there's so many on the market, you know, and when I'm researching the things I want to drink, you know, I look beyond the winemaker's own notes and, and look at some of the respected critics out there. And uh, James Suckling, one of those renowned wine critics, he gave this wine 90 points. Mm. Uh, the Wine Review gave it 92 points. And the Tasting Panel gave it 93 points. Wow. You know? Well, I mean, that sounds... Pretty impressive if we're thinking about this like a test grade or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, those are impressive scores for a rosé. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think this rosé really appeals to what wine judges and these wine reviewers like in this style. You know, there's those very discernible fruit flavors that we talked about. You know, it's it's in a dry style, though, but you even mentioned that it's mouth-watering. So mm-hmm. there's that, that enough acid, you know, to please the palate without going overboard. You know, so I find it to be a very balanced rosé. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we're talking about those grades, I think sometimes our audience sees those 90 point plus ratings and think immediately the bottle's going to be out of their price range. Um, So how much would this one cost? And are we maintaining our value proposition range that we're emphasizing this season? Yeah, I bought this uh, bottle at a local wine shop for $22. Okay. So uh, you can order it now through the, uh, when we were doing this recording, through the Vivino app for around $20. Um, and and, and let, uh, let me uh, add here that the Vivino app also lists this vintage as a top 4% wine mm-hmm. in the world. So to find this high-quality rosé at a bottle price under $25, I would say, yes, this is a really good value proposition. Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, and it sounds like another win for our listeners' palates and their wallets. <laughs> yeah. And also, let me get a travel tip here. Okay, yeah. Right? You know, the, the winery's founder said he named it Rayburn. That's R A E. B-U-R-N, after an old English term that means, quote, the river where one goes to drink. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, you know, I encourage our listeners to go out to the Rayburn Winery's website and and watch the aerial videos that they've recorded. And and you'll want to visit the valley of the Russian River for a drink at Rayburn. Man. Those videos just, you know. Kind of sell it. it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a wonderful tip and trip. Um, I would love to take a field trip out there if I can nominate that. So, yeah, check out those videos. I need to go watch them now, too. Uh, But first, we're going to take a short break and return for our pairing period when Keith will give us some ideas for pairing this rosé with some yummy eats.
Welcome back, everyone. You've joined us today for our seventh episode in our Summer Fun Project. And we are now in the pairing period portion of our show, so Keith is going to share some ideas for how to serve today's wonderful rosé with food. Well, Charlotte, in the spirit of full disclosure, I didn't come up with today's pairing idea on my own. Okay. Uh, when I was researching this wine, I came across a delightful article about this specific wine and this specific vintage by a uh, food writer, James Brock. And he suggested pairing this wine with a mayonnaise-based chicken salad. Hmm. I tried it, and it was spot on. So during the break, I placed some chicken salad on some crackers. So give one of those a try and have some wine with it. I will. Don't mind if I do. Mmm. Mm. Wow. That is delicious. Very creamy with the chicken salad. Mm. Yeah, what a great and simple combination. One that I wouldn't have thought to, to pair with on my own. Yes, the, the chicken salad has a hint of pepper along with some grapes and shallots. Mm. So there are a lot of flavors going on there. But this wor wine works well with a delicate chicken and there's enough acid to cut through the mayonnaise. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this chicken salad is is super simple in nature, uh, but I love the the addition of the grape. It's fitting when we're drinking wine. <laughs> uh, the saltiness and creaminess of the chicken salad and this wine are a great fit. And again, that sort of similar logic applies for the other pairing periods that we've had this season, where we pair sort of salty, creamy cheeses with um, those delicious whites. So it adds up. Right. So go in for another taste. Don't mind if I do. Mm. You know, I, I think you can create your own way to serve a light chicken salad, you know, either on crackers or you can take this and you know, take chicken salad and put it in those little pastry tarts. And that becomes a perfect, you know, party snack to pair with this wine, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so so I think that you can be a little creative uh, with the way you present the chicken salad at a party <laughs> to serve with this wine. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, the little sweet that comes from the grapes in the chicken salad. It's not, it doesn't compete at all. You know, the flavors don't compete with one another. They really complement. If anything, they, it pulls out the berry flavor in the wine and then really amps up the flavors that are coming out of the chicken salad. They just level up. Right. I agree. You know, but grapes and chicken salad is a personal preference. Some people don't like them. So you Fair. can certainly leave them out and still have an excellent companion dish for this rosé. Have your chicken salad however you want to have your chicken salad. Um, is there anything else you'd recommend to pair with this wine? Well, I'm going to stay with the party theme because I think this work wine works very well at a party, right? Right. And it's going to work really well with some mildly spicy foods mm. also. So think of those mild sausages that you might feature on a charcuterie tray, and, and that would be a great companion to the wine. You know, I'd also recommend some cold-pilled shrimp. And you could certainly serve that with a mildly spicy cocktail sauce. Huh. Wow. I mean, and during these pairing periods, you usually treat me to a wonderful cheese pairing, as I mentioned. I mean, today we had this delicious chicken salad. No regrets at all. But <laughs> if I wanted to serve this with cheese at my party, which ones would you suggest? Well, you know, I, again, uh, I was doing a lot of research on this particular wine because uh, I loved it so much. I wanted to find out what other people were saying about it. The, the experts at the online site uh, Cheese Grotto, you know, tell us to, to take our clue 
from a rosé's color when selecting the cheese. So today's pale pink rosé, which is in a very dry style, you need to pair that with cheeses like a chev or fromage blanc or a French mozzarella, mm. right? You know, you could even serve this wine, you know, as part of a pairing with a caprese salad and, you know, you'd have those fresh tomatoes and olive oil. Wow. Right, with the mozzarella. Right. Yeah. Right? No, that's that. those sound like wonderful suggestions. Um, and now I'm craving all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got lots of this I know. To eat, right? I, will t- I will turn back to the chicken salad, but... Uh, before we do that, and before we say goodbye, um, maybe we could talk about what we have planned for next week. Yeah, um, next week we're going to be starting our red wine episodes. Woohoo! You know, so after four whites, a bubbly, and a rose, it's really time to start drinking some red wines, right? Fair enough. And so we're going to be featuring an amazing Italian red that I think is a perfect companion to foods that we make on the backyard grill. Ooh, and and we may actually get to Backyard Grill next week, people. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to trying something new in more ways than one. So thank you for that. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Wines We Drink. Listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wines We Drink and on Instagram at The Wines We Drink. Cheers.